I realize I'm not ginger. She, uh, Kevin called earlier for church, and she is sick this morning. So remember her as she gets better. Uh, we've been looking at a series on fact in a world of fiction as we think about the truth, Jesus Christ. And this morning, I actually want to look at the incarnation God becoming man. And a couple of passages here I want to look at. First John chapter 1, we want to look at verses 10 through 17, and then we're going to slip over to the book of Philippians chapter 2 and read verse 6. So I'm going to ask when you find John chapter 1 to stand in God's honor as I read from the Scriptures. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then slip over me to the book of Philippians chapter 2 and one verse, verse 6. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped in in verse 7 but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Let's pray. Lord, um, it's a world, Father, that's hungry for truth, Lord. And this morning we want to consider truth found not in merely an idea, but found in a person sent to set us free. And uh, Father, I just pray you speak to our hearts this morning, God. Do a lot more than I ever could, Lord. Holy Spirit, open up my heart, Lord. Open our ears, God. Say what you want, Lord. Help us hear. We need you, Lord. We freely admit that. So we invite you. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe some of you, uh, maybe this, these were your friends. Ronnie Offield, 71 years old when he died. At 67, Barbara Vanetta Kesey, 59 years old. Robert Blevins, 60-year-old. Joyce Mary Wentz. All of them died Thursday, April 29th, 2011 as a result of the tornado that came through Glade Springs and caused extensive damage. 
Four lives. Devastation. Distress. A lot of hurt. And of course what was amazing about that is hearts were so moved. People saw the devastation when, when um, even from a distance, if, if they went on the interstate anywhere near that area, quickly stories about families that were suffering went out. And uh, hearts were moved, guys. And matter of fact, I went back on the Internet. I, w- I wanted to see um, what kind of compassion was shown to these people. And here's just a few examples. This is from Greene County. Loads of love is doing laundry for tornado victims victims. Drop off your laundry one day and pick it up the next day. Unless we get lots and lots all at the same time, we'll get it back to you the next day, if at all possible. And he says, "Bring it. there's no limited amount to how much you can bring. People reaching out to touch needs. Uh, here, here's another one in Greene County. National Trails Day at Hemlock Hollow will be June 4th from 1 to 8. A blessing of barbecue dinner, <laughs> music, a cakewalk, a silent auction, um, duck race down the creek. Anyway, all these things, of course, is to raise money to help victims. We need volunteers for music, storytelling, auction items, donation. Uh, workers to help park vehicles. and, and I mean, all this to, to, out of compassion to touch lives. This is in Smith County. Smith County has waived off tipping fees for debris from the damaged area. All that is asked is that persons coming to the landfill have some form of identification of the affected area. And, and then there was Project Crossroads, accepting furniture to give to victims, uh, you know, who now have no, who now had no furniture. Sullivan County, uh, the bus pit in downtown Kingsport will be holding a benefit concert. And, of course, all the proceeds are going uh, to provide relief to those suffering. And then Washington County, Virginia, uh, there will be a benefit motorcycle ride to help those affected uh, by the tornadoes. And, uh, it describes us in an approximate three-hour ride with two breaks. <laughs> and, of course, all proceeds, donation only, will go uh, to those victims a group is going to be rebuilding houses this weekend to those who are not insured. They have several contractors coming from all areas to help at no charge, but supplies are needed. They're in need of doors, windows, shingles, metal roofing materials. Then it says a shelter will be open at Emory and Henry College in the gymnasium uh, for those who, who need a place. And there will be the emergency response vehicle serving meals. There's even a group that was saving furry friends has grant money to help families whose pets were injured by the tornado. And the money's uh, coming, uh, Pet Smart Foundation, Richmond Animal League. Um, there was compassion that was shown. What happened? Hearts were moved. They, they looked, they saw the suffering, they saw the devastation, they saw broken people uh, and, and people who were, what they had taken away. And they reached out. And you know, as I thought about that, as I thought about that heart of compassion, it reminded me the Bible says that we are made in God's image. We look like Him. And here's one way we look like Him. When the compassion begins to flow out of our lives, that's what God looks like. Um, turn me to Matthew chapter 9. Uh, a familiar passage. This is at the very end of the uh, chapter 9, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, 
and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus looked out. He, he was at a high place and he could look out and see the people. And he didn't just see a huge group of people. He didn't just see a mob. He saw them and in his heart they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They needed someone to comfort them. Someone with compassion to reach out to them. And guys, that's, that's what this is all about. God looked down from heaven and He saw our condition. He saw that we were harassed and helpless. He saw that we had issues. He saw that we needed someone to, to meet our need, our deepest need. Because, quite frankly, we, we were in distress. And so He did the only thing He could do. The only solution that was possible. And we call it the incarnation. We call it God becoming man. We call it the greatest blessing of all. Um, and it's impossible for us to fully understand. Uh, Martin Luther expressed it this way. He said, The mystery of the humanity of Christ, that He sunk Himself into our flesh, is beyond all human understanding. Man, I understand uh, that. Um, how, how, do we, how do we grasp it? Uh, turn me Second Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 5. And I actually want to read this from uh, several other translations. But I'll start with the NIV, of course, which I uh, read from each most weeks. 2 Corinthians 9 and the last verse, verse 15. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Here's some other translations. This is from the Amplified. You know, it takes a, takes a sentence and makes a paragraph. Now, thanks be to God for His gift, precious beyond telling, His indescribable, inexpressible free gift. Here's from uh, the contemporary English version. Thank God for His gift that is too wonderful for words. Here's good news translation. Let us thank God for His priceless gift. And one more. This is from the Phillips. Thank God then for His indescribable generosity to you. What's, what's Paul say over and over? He says it is too big for us to grasp. Too much for us to fully understand. It's beyond our comprehension that God would do this. And, and what He did, we don't even fully get it. Praise God, some of us got it. If you know what I mean. It's so incredible to grasp. And, and isn't it just like a preacher that I'm going to try to spend 30 minutes explaining the indescribable? <laughs> Sounds kind of nuts, doesn't it? But that's the attempt this morning as we, as we talk about, about it. It reminds me of Churchill's words when he, when he spoke about Russia. <laughs> Back in World War II, he said, it's a riddle wrapped up in a mystery inside of an enigma. As a, one writer, as I'd read, he used to love to use the phrase, he said, I just, I just can't get my hands around my mind to grasp it. I can't get my hands around my mind to grasp it. 
And that's what we're looking at this morning. It is this, it is this great truth. Uh, someone's defined it like this kind of deep stuff, but I, I don't know what else to do but to make a stab at it. He said, it's the union of God and man in one person. God, every bit God, becoming man, every bit man. <laughs> and those two natures existing from that time until forever. Unmixed, yet inseparable. John one one, you know, says it like this. And he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Down in verse 14, he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then we come to Philippians 2. <laughs> Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. What does it mean by making himself nothing? Some translations it says emptied himself or became of no reputation. It means that although he's God, although he is creator, he put himself within the limitations of humanity. As Martin Luther said, as I already read, he sunk himself in flesh. The one who created gravity became subject to gravity. The one who created this planet became subject to that, what it's like to be a human being on this planet. He did not cease to be God in any way. Fully God, but still fully man uh, to grasp such great truth. G. Campbell Morgan said it like this. He wrote, (laughs) He was the God-man. Not God-indwelling a man. Of such there have been many. Not a man deified of such there have been none, save in the midst of a pagan sense of thought. But God and man combining in one personality, the two natures, a perpetual enigma and mystery, baffling the possibility of explanation. That's our Jesus. Scripture communicates three things about Jesus and sin. Our Lord knew no sin, did no sin, had no sin. The only one who could possibly be a Savior. The only one qualified to pay the price for sin, all of God's work. You see, He took the full brunt of sin. By way of the cross, it was all placed upon Him. But all of the temptations that he faced, all of the suffering, all of the trials, it was different in the sense that none of them came from within him. It was all an attack from without because within him was no sin. He, he, he knew no sin. He committed no sin. He did not have a sinful nature because he was God. Although man, although wrapped up in human flesh, he was different. He was unique. He was the living Lord. He was the God-man. He is that one that forgives us, that one that we can trust in. It was all a 100% attack from without because it did not come from within. That's our God. But could He connect to us? Turn me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet 
was without sin. Tempted in every way, yet without sin. He is able to sympathize with us because He's been there. He knows what our struggles are. He is aware of them. It is God's way of, of connecting with us without falling to our plight. You see, when, when He was cut, He bled. When He was struck, He was bruised. When He was sad, He wept. When He was happy, He smiled and He laughed. When He was angry, He showed it. When He was in His parents' home, He was under their submission. When He was hot, He perspired. When His heart stopped beating, He died. But all of this, there was no sin. He said, if there... If, if, Nobody could convict him of sin. Hey, they tried. They tried to accuse him. But all the evidence kept pointing back to he is who he says he is. He is the God man. It's expressed in the gospel writers. Uh, I just want to look at a short passage from each of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. First in Matthew chapter 14. For many of us, these passages are very familiar. Uh, but very, very important. Uh, verse 22 of Matthew 14. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Jesus placed them in the boat. He went off by himself to pray. He's God. Why does he need to pray? He's man. He's in connection with the Heavenly Father. He's showing his humanity. Showing the fullness of that. As he went, as he prayed, as he poured out his heart to the Father, he showed his humanity. But the disciples are in the boat and we're getting ready to see his divinity. Um, Verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Definitely more than just a man (laughs) walking on the water. And they saw that. And and notice what these guys of great faith did. Yeah, man, that's Jesus. Nope. Um, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Probably understatement. (laughs) It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. I don't want to blow your ears out crying out in fear with these. uh, But anyway, that's what happened. Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. They heard his voice, they recognized his voice, you know. And, and of course, old Pete, you know, Peter. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. I love Tony Evans' sermon on this. Tony Evans says, you know, Peter says, Lord, can I come play? Lord, let me play. Let me, come on, I want to play, Lord. <laughs> come on, Peter, come on. So anyway, here, here, you know, Peter, he steps out there every good intentions. He, he says, come. And so Peter gets out of the boat. He take, you know, he starts walking toward Jesus. And then what happens? He says, man, I'm walking on the water. And then he sinks. That's Pete for us. Uh, he saw the wind. He was afraid. Again, he sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? <laughs> Fully man. Fully God. All right, let's look at another one here. Luke, uh, Mark, next is Mark. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. A man with leprosy came to him 
and begged him on his knees. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Um, we see Jesus' humanity. He cared about the guy. He didn't just push him away. He had a heart for him. And the man said, make me clean. He didn't ask to be completely cured because there wasn't a sense when you talk about leprosy in the scriptures of there being healing where it's totally, completely removed, just cleansed, healed, cleansed. It's There's been writers that have said, you know, it's a picture of sin. We still struggle with sin. Sin is there, but God cleanses us of the sin until the day where it's fully removed when we're in His presence in heaven. Being God, He cleansed him. <laughs> he is a sign that He forgave him. He made him whole that God worked. Uh, Alright, Luke chapter 8, verse 22. It's another example here. One day, Jesus said to His disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. Okay, there's his humanity. And you know, this says something about Jesus. Evidently, he was a heavy sleeper. <laughs> you know, I tend to be a heavy sleeper. Cindy probably thinks the house is going to burn. If the house burns down, I'll go with it. I mean, she wakes up a lot easier than me. She calls that the mom sense, you know, kind of wakes you up. But um, I'm gone. But anyway, Jesus was obviously a deep sleeper. He's sleeping. There's this squall. That came up on the lake, this this horrifying wind, water coming in the boat. And I love that. In verse 23 it says, and they were in great danger. I bet they thought so. Uh, verse 24, the disciples went and woke him. Man, was he sleeping good. Saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. I can't tell him say, Jesus. Okay, guys, man, I was sleeping so good. But it was, he showed his divinity. He got up. He rebuked the wind, the raging waters, the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who's this? He commands even the winds and water. And they obey him. Man, there's this crazy... You know, the wind, there's the wind and there's the waves and there's this rough water. And Jesus says, Be still. And it becomes like glass. Just calm as can be. You know, see your face in there about it. I mean, it's just... It, the, the work... He's God. And one more, uh, John chapter 11. Uh, this is the death of Lazarus. Um, starting at verse 1, he says, Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord, wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. It's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. I wonder how hard that was for Jesus. He loved them. He he knew their pain. He he knew what Lazarus was going through, but he stayed. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Maybe not a wise choice, Lord. Uh, Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees this world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Hmm. So anyway, we... As we go down in the scripture, it, it describes how he gets there and and how they're struggling. The sisters are struggling. You know, Lord, if if you'd come ahead of time, he he would, you could have healed him, Lord. Jesus says in verse twenty five, "I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die." Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. She told him, "I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world." And then, uh, of course, the shortest verse in the Bible, all you guys can memorize this one, okay? You can say, you know, I have no memory. I can't remember my scripture. Yes, you can. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Okay, ready? One, two, three, together. Jesus wept. One more time, y'all can do this. Jesus wept. And, and memorize the address for me. John eleven thirty five. One more time. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. All right, Bible scholars, you've done well. Uh, but you see Jesus' humanity. He, he loves them. He's weeping. Um, <laughs> but what he's about to do shows his deity. <laughs> Verse 38. Jesus once more deeply moved. I can just imagine him sobbing. Came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha... Sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Lord, he's stinking. Verse 40, then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you were always you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So here we go, verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, I've heard it said, you've probably read it too and heard it, that you know, Jesus had to be very specific. Because if Jesus had not called him by name, Lazarus, everybody in that graveyard had come up. They'd have come out there and you talk about something unique. So much for zombie movies. People coming back. But but he says Lazarus. He specifically brought Lazarus back, showing without doubt who he is, his identity, his deity, that he is God, fully God. That's our Lord. Now, I come to the end of this thing. Uh, two, two major points with this. Uh, as man, he understands where you are. He knows the plight of humanity. 
He knows the frailty of humanity. He knows the struggle. That's our God. As man. But as deity, as God, He's able to do something about it. And it's beautiful in the Bible because He is called our mediator. He is the one who is our advocate. He is like a defense attorney for us. And as I close, let's use what they call a little sanctified imagination. Imagine you end up in this courtroom. You're guilty, you know it. Sitting up on the judge's chair, you see the judge and... uh, Man, he powerful. He is the one able to put down the verdict. And so you're in awe of him. You come in and, and you sit down and you see your attorney, your defense attorney. You know, a common looking guy. Hopefully able to plead your case well. And you see the prosecuting attorney. Man, is he one slick guy. Dressed to the hilt. Powerful in his movements. Looks every bit the part of a powerful, powerful attorney. He begins, he stands up, and and he looks at the judge, and then he points over at you, and he says with amazing perceptiveness, your crimes. And it's amazing how he knows you, and how he knows your crimes, and how he speaks so clearly, and how it just humbles you, and you find yourself sinking deeper and deeper into your seat. Understanding how guilty you are. And he hammers you, and he hammers you, and he hammers you with the truth of your guilt. And you think, man, the judge is going to bury me. And you look over at your defense attorney, and he doesn't say a thing. Comes time for cross-examination. No, sir, he's guilty. Well, thank Oh, what am I going to do? But then it comes time. It comes time for your defense attorney to stand, to make his argument. He comes before the judge. And suddenly his appearance changes. Instead of just being a common-looking man, there's something special about him. Suddenly his voice is recognized. And, and you see something you had missed before. Something special, something significant, something that moves you. And as he comes before the judge, to be honest with you, he doesn't say a thing. He merely stands there before the judge and he pulls back his sleeves and he shows the scars. And then he turns back in the courtroom to you and to the prosecuting attorney and he shows the scars and there's silence and the prosecuting attorney has no word to say. Because the scars say it all. And the judge looks and in his powerful voice he says one word. Forgiven. That's the God man. That's the one who understands us. That's the one who died for us. That's the one who's the incarnation. That's the one who provided compassion and forgiveness. Just like those with hearts that reached out to those who were tornado victims. Jesus reached out to us who are sin victims. He forgave. Now, I come to the end of this thing, as they say in the hill, stick a fork in me, I'm done. But I pray the Spirit of God's not done. 
Where are you this morning? Could it be that you're at a point in your life where God is speaking to you? And he, he's, he's saying, you know, you need to do business with me. This one Jesus, He is the only one who can forgive you. He's more than just a teacher. He's more than a legend. He's the living God. He's the Savior. And, and we're going to have a time we call response time, you know, invitation, whatever, where we stand, we sing a song, and as God's Spirit leads us, you may want to come to this altar, you may want to pray. Maybe you need to ask Jesus to come to live in your heart and to forgive you. He's paid the price, but have you taken the gift? It is an indescribable gift, and it is available, but you have to receive. And we want to give you a chance to do that. Maybe you're here, and there's some issue on your heart, and you need to come to this altar, you need to pray. Or maybe you need to share with the people of God here this morning what God is up to in your life. And we just want to, we want God to move here, man. We want Him to change us, rearrange us, and that we might look like Jesus. That's what it's about. So I'm going to say a prayer, uh, be at the front, stand, sing, God leads you, come. Let's pray. Lord, uh, here we are. We need you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue your work. May we respond, Lord. It doesn't matter particularly what I've said, Lord. It matters what you said, Lord. What are you saying, Lord? Help us say yes to whatever your call is, Lord. Whatever the prick of the heart is, Lord, may we say yes. May we come. If it's to pray and say, Jesus, forgive me. Live in my life. Enter me, Lord. Make me new. Forgive me. May that happen. If it's to make a life change headed your way, may it happen. Lord, as we stand, as we sing, as you call, may we come. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.